0: Gate gate paragate parasam gate body swaha. Gone, gone, gone to the other shore, gone to the other shore of perfect wisdom to enlightenment, so may it be. Good afternoon. I we we're just sitting out here, and my wife's continuing to read on the power of now. It was earlier we were talking about the meaning of the heart sutra's mantra the mantra of uh, or the great spell as they say it the heart of uh, emptiness in in a few few words the meaning though right now that also led to me i think i mentioned it this morning A gentleman talking about whether or not all Buddhists meditated. Now, that's an easy question. No, they don't. If we consider the meaning of meditation. But if we look at the meaning of, say, the source of meditation, jhana. Jhana meaning training the mind. Of course, all Buddhists train the mind. And that got me, as I said, we were looking at um, the mantra. Gate gate gone gone para gatte, gone beyond right so para parallel even gone to the other shore. Right? That's really what it is. Gone, gone, right? Gone to the other shore. Para gate. Para gone. the right shore. That's the thing. I went and looked at the source of Sam. Sam is Sama or correct or right. Sama, what kind of Sama? Like Sama Sila or Sama Dana, right? Right charity, right? uh, Morality, right? Or Sama Karma, right action, right? Sama Di, right thought or concentration. Now the reason why I mention that is we're gonna go and read another passage from Unlimiting Mind. And why I was actually preparing this uh, passage was because it was uh, really quite enjoyable uh, to look at the root of these words, not as a scholar, but to understand the meaning and the message behind it if you understand Samadhi as simply the correct concentration or the correct awareness you no longer see Samadhi as um, enlightenment or some state that you either have or don't have it's simply just like I mentioned sati the root of sati we well sorry first sati is commonly seen as mindfulness but the root of sati is to remember. So it denotes that we are not 100% on that other shore all the time. So that's why we say gone, gone, gate, gate, para gate, gone to the other shore, para sam gate, gone to the shore, the correct shore. What are we talking about? We are on the other side of our ego delusions. On the other shore, permanently, parasamgate, where ills and suffering are never even born. Right? Where is that? That is where you abide, Satipatthana, abide remembering that awareness, Samadhi, correct concentration, is the liberation we all seek. Swaha. The, the root of which was a little hard to find, but simply, so be it as it is said, so may it be. Right? So I'll go on and read the passage. Okay? So, he opens it with a passage from the Polycanon. Don't go back over what is past, nor yearn for what is to be. What is past has been abandoned, and the future is not yet here. The state arising here and now. See it with insight as it is. So it's everything in there, right? The past is gone. The future is yet to be created, right? right? And this liberation is when you've abandoned the past and you remember that the future is not yet here, right? The state of arising, here and now, and only here and now, when you see it with insight as it is. Right? That is the liberation. But he goes on and says, when the Buddha says, I know of no single thing more conducive to great harm than an unrestrained mind, he says, talks about the human's penchant for multitasking, and I might take that one step further and remind us of our podcast yesterday, When I mentioned that uh, Mr. Tolle will uh, highlight that we'll look up at the sky, and if we ignore our own limitations, which we won't see all of the stars, but even though we're not seeing all of the stars, we're still struck, -struck, (laughs) starstruck, if you pardon. We're in awe at the amount of stars, and we think how vast the universe is because we're perceiving the stars. But, as I said... We're not perceiving the emptiness in between. Unlike Eckhart Tolle, not that it is nothingness, but that emptiness, that space between these objects of perception, are no less real. They just happen to be as it is outside of our realm of perception currently. So I'll go on and he'll say, it is not the mind that Well, he says, it is not that the mind is incapable of such feats of parallel processing. It's just not a very healthy thing to do. (laughs) And I would agree and maybe point at our passage of the Tao. When you watch intently or insight or vipassana with calmness, passionless or dispassion or not being carried away by your passions or the sights, the sounds or the colors, that's when... You were able to observe the subtle and the apparent, both. Not one or the other, but both. He goes on and says, the problem is not so much attention deficit as it is attention diversion or dispersion. I apologize. He says attention dispersion. When the intention, available attention is spread thin. Absolutely. He uses the idea of... Um, a river coming down a mountain. And by the time when there's a bunch of little tri- tributaries flowing off of this said river, by the time uh, it reaches the bottom of the mountain, it's but a trickle. Kind of like our energy is what he says. I mean, it's common. The Chinese will see it that way. Uh, the uh, the yogic idea is there. You know, we use pranayama to develop our prana, our chi, our energy, our life force, our breath. Uh, we use that um, to power this, you know, Um, wish for liberation, but it's two separate things, kind of like Einstein's space and time from yesterday. Yes, the health and strength of your body, your breath, and your energy does influence your practice, but your practice is not directly influenced by. Again, we're talking about Sama. Sama, if it's correct practice, it will help. He says, by trying to do many things at once, we are training the mind to process information in ways that may well be effective and even become habitual, right? The price we pay for this is no longer being deeply aware of what we are doing, right? And that's exactly what the teaching is. The liberation lies in awareness, in presence, or Mr. Tolle will say, in the power of now. And he goes on and says, of course, being deeply aware of what we are doing is the very crux of Buddhist teachings, which is why the practice of meditation is so important for unifying and consolidating the mind. He says that the Buddha said, I know of no single thing more conducive to great welfare than a developed mind. And he says, concentration practice, practice known as samadhi, consists of gathering together the prefix sam, and placing the root, da. The, the mind, upon the middle, a, which is the mind, the citta, or atta, depending, right? Citta is these minds that are born, used in a number of different ways, but still, the mind that is born uh, from this realm. Uh, and atta, which is considered uh, self or... Um, uh, even the ego right but he doesn't mention that and I mentioned earlier that again Sam comes from the roots of Sama or right or correct and da is another form is D right which actually means uh, concentration so when you add Sama D uh, it is right or correct concentration But we miss a couple things because he says concentration practice known as Samadhi, but he mentions um, a developed mind, and before that he mentions meditation. So it's actually quite funny that we would talk about Samadhi in this paragraph when what we were actually talking about is dhyana, or sorry in Pali, is dhyana. And what is that? That's training the mind. Training the mind to do what? samadhi how do we achieve this state of oneness with awareness sati pathana via the noble eightfold path which is sama actions and thoughts and intentions right so we can use shamatha or samatha which is right calmness right views right understanding And we use vipishana, right, which is insight or awareness, discernment. And he goes on and says, The cultivation of mental focus, the consistent return to a primary object and settling into even deeper states of tranquility, has uh, the effect of gradually reining in the mind's random wandering and settles it down in a way that gathers and consolidates the power of awareness. Ugh! Exactly what I just said, right? Sati means to remember. What are we remembering? That our goal is to be aware. So he kind of dances around some very important words that, as I've said before, if we were to study their root and understand why we use them, we also understand the meaning and the message behind them, right? So I'll go on a little further where he says, awareness itself is the primary currency of the human condition. He says, the more unified, stable, luminous, and attentive the mind is at this moment, the more profound the experience. What profound sort of experience is he talking about? Once again, he's equating meditation, he's equating samadhi uh, as the practice or awareness as a result of some other practice, as opposed to equating samadhi, jnana, jhana, knowledge, mind training, awareness, focus, mindfulness, meditation, all meaning the exact same thing. He goes on and says, it is as if the accomplishment of mere tasks is of primary value while the quality of awareness with which these tasks are undertaken is irrelevant. And goes on and says, For many of us, the deep states of tranquil alertness, of which the mind is capable, are entirely unknown. I would agree with that. That's why I say we consider them extraordinary states or extraordinary powers. Because to most of us, who, as the Buddha said, uh, in his week-long... <laughs> after his enlightenment because he wanted to share these simple truths that our ego and uh, our suffering uh, are both one and the same. That as simply as being aware of one's ego's influence on our lives was at once um, the end of suffering but also the birth of true happiness. But he didn't know how he could make us understand this simple truth, because at once our mind is both the tool with which we use for this liberation and also with which we are deluded and uh, kept from seeing what is really there. It, it is the greatest hindrance and the greatest tool. And on that note, I want to read one final paragraph from this section, uh, again, a section entitled Practice. From the book Unlimiting Mind, he says, yes, the chattering, cavorting, cacophonous monkey mind is capable of clever deeds and great mischief. And these things are not entirely without value, but the mind is also capable of settling down, gathering its power and turning its gaze upon itself. And in such instances, it can come to know itself deeply. Buddhists call this gaining wisdom. And this, too, is a valuable thing to do. Now, Buddhists don't call it wisdom. Buddhists call it jnana. Buddhists will call it samadhi or satori or enlightenment or awakening. Buddhists won't simply say, Nah, it's just paying attention. That's the truth, the secret, the practice it's not mindfulness, it's not awareness, it's not sitting, it's not walking, it's not sitting or walking. It's none of those, it's all of those. That's why when it says that dependent origination is, it's not this and it's not that, and it's not neither of those, right? That's the mind as both the barrier and the tool to enlightenment. That's why they say there is no limit to sentient beings, and no limit to the entryways to the Dharma of Nirvana. That's why I say the mind is both uh, the tool and the barrier. So it is the greatest tool and the greatest barrier, upaya. Once again, another very, very important tool, right? Because what are we looking at here? We're looking at training the mind. Um, believe it or not, upaya is a reference to farming. And plowing one's field, tending to it—it's not um, an action that uh, is uh, one-time. It's it's um, cultivation. It's maintaining. It's caring for. But it's also using right understanding and uh, well, just paying attention. Right? Well, that last little bit was a little bonus to throw it in with the upaya. But um, on the next podcast, we are specifically specifically going to look at the root of some of these words we tend to use. Not just jhana or jhana, not just dhyana or upaya, uh, but dukkha and anicca and anatta. We're going to look at a lot of these words. That I've said before that we don't translate and we use that actually tends to obfuscate the teachings. When the real goal is to use these words because nothing shares the meaning and the message. As well as, as I said this morning, a language that was designed solely to share these universal truths. For educating, edifying everybody at how to liberate from this universal dissatisfaction we all suffer from. I know, I I try to avoid using that term, suffer, but exactly that. If our goal is to share these simple truths, these simple practices, I don't know why we put so many barriers in our own way. Right? (laughs) I love that. We put them in our own way. We're the barrier, right? But in the same, in the same sense, we put them uh, in our way uh, that we have to step over and around. Uh, or even most of the time, we won't even look around to see the truth. We allow ourselves uh, to wall ourselves away from the truth, whether that's by choice or we're deluded by our ego. That's where that discernment comes in, right? Right? Because there is no simple answer for all of us or anyone.